Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Welcome to today's podcast episode on Aim Higher, where we will be discussing the topic of leaving well. And that means leaving an organization, a company, leaving it well. What's the difference between leaving it well and not leaving well at all? Whether you're moving on to a new opportunity, transitioning into a new phase of your life, resigning from an organization, all of these things can be difficult and it can be an emotional process. And it's important to handle the transition with grace and professionalism in order to maintain positive relationships and also not burn any bridges for those of you who don't want to burn bridges. So in this episode, we're going to discuss some tips, best practices for resigning from an organization in the right way, leaving well. We'll cover topics such as how to prepare for the conversation with your employer about leaving, what to include in your resignation letter, how to manage the transition period leading up to your departure, and we'll also discuss how to maintain positive relationships with your colleagues and supervisors. So leaving a job can be challenging. It can be emotional. But if you do it well, you can ensure that you leave on a positive, positive note. So if you're thinking about resigning from your job, nobody here is thinking of this today. But if you are, I'm looking around to make sure. Definitely not. (laughs) Nobody's leaving here today. But if you are, there are ways to do it well. And so that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode. And I've personally seen this. I've seen people leave really well. Even people who are terminated leave well. And sometimes it ends up that they come back or they need something else and and it works out well. They may even be a consultant to the organization. They may find out they're selling back in and need to have that relationship. I've also seen it go the other way. And those are memorable. I get letters blaming me for societal ills that really, even if I was the president of the U.S. or king of another country, Unfortunately, I wouldn't be able to control. It would be nice if I had a dial like to control the climate, but I, I don't know where it is. If I have it, I've lost it in my old age. But I've seen that. I've seen people on LinkedIn where they leave well, and they write beautiful, glowing notes about their experiences, and they focus on the positive. I've also seen people do the reverse and write bad things or remove the connection from the boss and block them which usually doesn't end up well. And the person I'm thinking of then a few years later wanted to reconnect and needed a glowing recommendation. So it can go and span all over the place. And sometimes you have to be careful in telling people early in their career that you may not put somebody on your reference checklist, but through the power of resumes and LinkedIn and databases, It's not too hard to find out who's who, and you may be finding that they may tap into somebody for a confidential reference, and that person may or may not give it. But all of these things are important when you think about leaving well. So leaving well is not something that was commonplace a few generations ago. I think about sitting at my grandparents' table. My grandfather had worked for the same company for decades from the beginning, until he was retired, and he didn't think about leaving a company. But today, very different. 
And we're in the great resignation era. We're in the post-pandemic era. We're in the era where people are reevaluating their life. We're in the era where it's just more commonplace to move around. So there's more to consider. So we have a great panel here to talk about leaving well, even though they're not planning to leave. They are well, though, I think. And we're excited to have them. We're, first of all, very delighted to have Wonder Woman, Kathy King. She is amazing. She's an end user, consumer projects, really good at developing products and digital solutions for consumers. And she's she's an amazing voice. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you. Glad to be back. And yes, I'm not planning on leaving. And you're, you are Wonder Woman. I am Wonder Woman. Thank you for mentioning that. That's, I appreciate it. Uh, you, usually <laughs> we like to keep that quiet, but yeah. because there's not a video on this, we figure you could be a little anonymous. So we, we would just let people know that you're here. <laughs> we also have Bart Murphy, He's a CTIO. He's a technology guru. He also was a college wrestler, now a wrestling coach. And so when we talk about wrestling with our technology problems, it means a lot here at our company. So yeah, yeah, certainly. Thank we're you glad for you're here. And, Thank you. And back. And we have Tammy Space. Tammy Spade. I said space because she manages spaces. She manages people. She manages relationships. She manages the discussion and organizational dynamics, and also Drew, who's on vacation. He's on vacation. I mean, Is really. he on vacation again? He's on vacation again. Who let him take vacation? I don't know. I don't know who would ever allow such a thing. But Drew and I often say that Tammy is our voice of reason. So when we go to Tammy organizational-wide, she is a calming, logical, rational force that can look through a myriad of problems and look for logical, positive progression to get through. And you also know if Tammy's mad. I've learned over over a long, long period of time. And you know because afterwards she'll tell you, I was really mad. That's about the only way you know that Tammy <laughs> I was going to say, how do you know Tammy's that mad? Was it. <laughs> that was it. That, that's, that's the extent of it. There's not an eyebrow twitch. There's not a look in the eye there's not a shift in posture. There really is nothing that's a giveaway. So Tammy also may have a future as a ringer in some kind of gambling uh, poker operation player. poker in Vegas. So who knows? Who knows uh, what what's in the future? So welcome back, Tammy. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to know what my next career move might be. If, not if that you I'm leave planning well. to move. Yeah, yes. If you leave well, yes, you could exactly. go there. If exactly. not, you know, the Bellagio would throw you out. Anyway, <laughs> what are some important factors to consider, you're an employee and you're considering, I may resign from this company. And, you know, various people have different reasons. And maybe I'm really angry about my boss or I think the world's over here is better or this job might be better or whatever. Like, what are some of those factors that go in and making that decision if you're an employee? What would you say? Or just a few, you don't have to have them on the top of your head, but just one that pops into your mind that you'd say, well, this is something they should consider before just jumping. Because I think today in the Great Resignation era, there's a lot of just jumping. And we're seeing significant percentages of people after they leave say, I regretted that I left my organization. I'm trying to get back. So we're trying to prevent that. What do you do to make that decision? And, and other people leave and it's a good thing and it's positive and they planned it. How do you know what are those factors? I mean, in technology, we've been seeing this type of movement for quite some time, probably more than other professions. And to your point, I've had many people leave on good terms and many leave 
in not such a, a great way. And I would argue or at least state to them, one, having a good conversation and understanding why you're leaving, just yourself understanding why you're leaving. I've had many conversations with individuals about why they're leaving. They can't even articulate particularly the reasons why. And and it's okay if it's money. It's okay if there's a family situation that you know requires you to look for a different job. But having a good understanding yourself of what you're looking for, because to your point, many of them will leave for things that they haven't deeply considered and then regret it uh, fairly shortly after. So what I've seen work better is them fully understanding and then having that comfortability. Once you know that you're making a decision that's good for you, it's good for your family, you feel it's good for your career, it's not difficult having that conversation with anybody in the organization. It's not being done out of spite. It's not being done out of anger. It's not being done to somehow get back at the organization in some manner. And sometimes you just outgrow uh, the position that, that is available to you within your organization. So I don't have any problem having those conversations. It's when there's really emotional conversations where they can't articulate it and it's really based on emotion and they haven't stepped back from that sort of emotional maturity moment uh, and they leave in a manner that is somewhat with uh, leaving you know bad feelings and leaving people in the dust, having bad conversations. So I think a lot of it is them truly understanding what they're looking for. Because then we can give them some advice. I can even support it. And I do all the time. Absolutely. I like what you said and reflecting on it, you know, putting it another way, what you're saying is head, heart, gut, that alignment between everything. And you're mm-hmm. exuding the way you describe that, a confidence. And that confidence comes from thinking about all of these things and emotion you mentioned, very dangerous, right? To let a bad day make you emotional enough that you might do something. I always liked that quote of make big decisions slowly and small decisions quickly, right? Because you can't undo some of those big decisions. Well, what else would you add, Kathy, to factors to consider before resigning? Well, I think it's great what you said, Bart. So if you really think through it and you sort of know where the gaps are between what you want and what you have, you can have a conversation with your boss. You can say, hey, I would really like to see ABC. And maybe your current company can make ABC happen for you. Or maybe just A and B. You might have more options than what you realize. So that's something to consider. The other thing is, If you're in that emotional space, remember that the grass is not always greener or there's always going to be problems wherever you go. You might be running away from something, but that doesn't mean it's going to be better where you arrive. Would you add something to that? That's excellent, Kathy. I think it's excellent. And I always tell people, make sure you're not running from that you're going to and make sure that you've assessed, am I stressed? Am I burned out? Is it a bad season even? You know, even more than a bad day, is it just a bad season? And are you trying to get relief versus what is the opportunity? Is this really going to be good for my career, as Bart said? I think those are excellent perspectives. Let's talk about any additional ways that an employee can ensure that they leave on good terms with not just the employer. Sometimes people think the employer, they think of the boss. But it's also important for the team that's relied on you. How do you leave well with the colleagues that you have so that they don't feel like you abandoned them and then you perpetuate kind of negativity? What tips would you add on that front? I think I'd say, first of all, on the communication side, don't tell everybody else other than your boss. We see this happen a lot where people share with the team 
or coworkers or other confidants in the company that they're leaving and their boss is the last to know. And that's never a good thing. And it doesn't engender confidence in you as an individual or a professional or the team. From a team perspective, I think being able to transition well, make sure that you're leaving your projects in a good place. If there are you know, files or documents or other kinds of materials that need to be gathered, do that. Offer to train your replacement and offer to be available even after you leave. Most of the time, employers or the new person isn't going to reach out to you. But if you offer that, I think it just shows a continuing gratitude for what you've been given in terms of opportunity there. I really like that addition. I want to get tactical for a second and think about that resignation letter, that resignation email, or maybe that exit interview. And I think employees sometimes in the motion may write things that they may or may not want to, but it is a permanent record you are inserting into your file at that company. So I think you need to be very judicious about what you write. Now, I'm not saying write all happy high notes or never acknowledge there are problems or say, you know, I think these things need to be corrected, et cetera. I do say, though, if you're saying those things there for the first time, I've seen this, and people have seen a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing going on, then that doesn't go well for you, where I've been hiding all of this anger and then all of a sudden it erupts into an exit interview or the like. So what do you say in a resignation letter or an exit interview and what do you not say? I think those are two different things. So one, a resignation letter, in my opinion, is short. It's not Goodbye. your opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Really what occurs is in the conversations, the conversations with your team, the conversations certainly with your boss, and certainly being honest and providing any type of feedback during an exit interview. I think the more troubling component is when, as you state, none of none of these things were communicated with any of those parties I just mentioned. And then there's some type of either way of documenting in an exit, uh, in a resignation letter, or then having that conversation in an exit interview, which is completely, you know, not known by the team, wasn't known by the manager, almost a way of trying to create problems for the folks that you leave behind. And I don't think that's constructive. And certainly the team members, you know, when we're trying to evaluate that feedback, it's very difficult to understand the context of it because it didn't, none of it was discussed before. I think I also see folks that will leave well and then out in the market, which is not, you know, people find about talk very poorly about the organization out in the market. Uh, and I found that to occur, which is odd, especially if they're going to such a better opportunity. Again, you should be talking more about how this is going to advance you. No company is perfect. Certainly no experience is perfect at any for any job that someone has. So it's really about perspective and how you communicate your perspective. And those that want to focus on the negative, one, it doesn't do them well at the current job if they continually talk about their former job in such a negative manner, especially if they were there for quite some period of time. And also that always loops around. And then I've had many individuals want to come back and work at a company after I know they've had nothing but terrible conversations out in the market about that company. So very short-sighted, uh, again, more into that emotional state versus just having a good understanding of what you're doing to improve your profession and how you feel that next move is going to help incorporate that. I have to jump in on this one because it's a 
it's a big area. In the era of technology and HRIS systems, that resignation letter really does become a permanent part of your employment record. And so does the exit interview. So I think it's important to start with gratitude if you can. That job prepared you for this next opportunity in a lot of ways. Not perfectly, of course, because, you know, the world's full of imperfect people and imperfect companies, but it did prepare you. So start with gratitude. Obviously, as Bart said, the facts of, you know, when and how and where and all of that. And certainly, if there are ideas, you know, there are just a few things I want to offer in order to improve experiences here at X company, perfectly fine. In fact, welcomed, because it's it's a balanced view. But the person who stays in an organization, indicates, you know, that everything is fine, and then stores up venom and spews it in the exit interview or in the letter, never a good thing. And that venom carries over then to your new employer, as Bart said. When you're interviewing someone, do you ever like that candidate to just bash their former employers, bosses, etc.? No, it's a red flag to you. So I, I think it's important to express gratitude and and just leave well. And leave well. Yeah, talk about some things if you want that can be improved, but probably even there in an exit interview, probably better to talk, as Bart was saying, to your colleagues, to your manager, to the people who that matters. Don't let them hear something from an exit interview mm. that they get in from HR that's mm-hmm. different than what you said to them Good point. personally, because that doesn't go well. I would say some things not to do is in an exit interview is avoid speculation, avoid rumor, and avoid personal attacks. Stick to business, and you will do better um, in terms of my opinion anyway. I also like what you were talking about on talking about past companies. And I've always looked at it, all the organizations I've worked for, I want them to do well. I think highly of them. I like to say a piece of my life I gave to that company. And so I feel a certain loyalty to it. I feel a certain positivity toward it. And of course, you know, there's good and bad things, good and bad days. I did stupid things at some places, great things. And, you know, I mean, we all have that range that's called human experience. But if you talk bad about your past company, here's what you're doing. You're destroying your own credibility because your resume is built on those companies. So if you say, well, I worked 10 years at ABC company and it's the most miserable, horrible place. They didn't train people. They didn't do this, the bad practices or whatever. What you're saying is, so I've been steeped in this awfulness, this awful soup for 10 years. That's not going to engender confidence. Now, exception, if I'm at an Enron and there's a meltdown, if I'm at an SVV bank and there's a meltdown, now you may have a different kind of bent on it where you say, I saw some things that didn't go well. Okay. But those are very rare. So just be careful. And it matters whether you resign from a library, whether you resign from a company, whether you resign from a tech startup, whether you resign from a big company. All of these places, the same principles matter in terms of leaving well. So another tactical thing, we're talking about tactics and interviews and in resignation letters. But one other tactic is notice. How much notice is appropriate to give before resigning? And how do you best communicate that effectively in terms of that uh, notice? So I would think, Tammy, that 
notice by telling everybody else, but your boss doesn't count as part of the notice No, period. it does not. No. No. So how much notice is appropriate these days? And has that changed over time or is it the same? And does it also matter by geography, which I'm going to say right now, it does. In Europe, much longer resignation periods than in the U.S., as an example. Yeah, if we're just talking about North America specifically, I would say minimum two weeks. And the higher you go in terms of accountability in an organization, the more notice you should give. Now, I'm not talking about 10 weeks of notice because that gets too long. But three to four weeks, very helpful. And stay engaged during that period of time. But absolutely give at least two weeks of notice. It's just unprofessional not to. I would agree. And it also, you said earlier, I think it was you, Tammy, who said that you may be available even after. So if Mm -hmm. you say, here's three to four weeks, afterwards I'm doing this, but I'm available for the following, that also sends a real positive signal. I mean, the key is, right, you don't want to leave them stranded. It's just an awful feeling for them because they've relied on you. They've trusted you. And you've been an important member of the team. Kathy, do you have any difference or thoughts on notice periods? Yeah, I do. So I've seen a lot of people looking for other jobs when a big project is about to come to an end. So if that's you and you are going to go to your next opportunity and you're seeing a project through, giving notice that helps you to see that project through to the end is really good. So maybe it's four weeks because that project is going to go live Mm. in three weeks and you give an extra week Mm -hmm. buffer for warranty, that sort of thing. I see a lot of that. And that's always very helpful for the team, especially in a critical time. Really good. Bart, the tech world's moving so fast. I don't know. Is there any difference in tech jobs and technology because of the speed at which everything's moving? Well, I think if an organization that you're going to is forcing you into not giving notice, because sometimes folks will say, well, the current company really needs me to start on this date or I won't have the job. That would be a red flag for me immediately at any company. There's no reason they can't wait another couple of weeks for you to get started. My guess is in those scenarios, the individual knew, committed, and just had a really hard time figuring out how to communicate to their own organization and almost waited and delayed themselves into a bad situation, again, not leaving well. I think the other part of it that I see a lot in tech to your point, Tammy, is there are things that come up sometimes three months, six months later, where they have may have been the expert in that area. And it is very helpful to have a lifeline, even for a brief conversation, to maybe get through an issue that may have been presented because there isn't enough time, even with two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, to truly transition Mm -hmm. some technical roles. A lot of it's just going to be then how do you actually do the work when that individual is gone? So part of it also is on the onus of the manager. I I stay in touch with individuals that leave our organization. I make it a point to stay in touch with them to, you know, a month into their new job, three months into their new job. Hey, can you go out for lunch? I think it's not just a one-way commitment. Um, So my hope is that when I have talented individuals that leave and they're leaving for the right reasons, I stay engaged with them as well. You never know what's going to happen. You never know how that new opportunity is going to happen. And Mm -hmm. you never know when you need that lifeline where they may be able to provide some subject matter expertise. So it's on us too to have that relationship, not just for them to offer it up. Uh, We have to follow up on that, uh, even if it's just grabbing a lunch, sending them a note, sending them a text message. Hey, how's it going? 
and I don't see enough managers doing that. When they're gone, they sort of out of sight, out of mind. And that's not good, I think, from a network perspective as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's really great from a peer perspective too. So if you have a peer that you really respect who leaves for another great opportunity, staying in contact with them through lunches or text messages, to your point, Bart, that's a really good tip. It really is. And the next question I had fits perfectly into that. It really was that question, which was, how do you use a departure as an opportunity to build your professional network, to create maybe future opportunities for you? And I think that's what Bart was touching on, because that's the key to leaving well, is if you leave well, I've seen that just multiply. I've seen people start companies and it gets acquired by the company they left. If they had left well, they would have been acquired not acquired, et cetera. I mean, it really matters. So in some cases, it means a job. In other cases, it could mean millions of dollars to the price of an acquisition. And so leaving well is just incredible. Bart, you also mentioned something else earlier about perhaps the company gave notice, but the person didn't give that notice in the appropriate time. They were struggling with it. So what advice would you give to someone who's nervous or anxious about resigning from the job? They made the decision, they've accepted it, but they are nervous about it. What advice would you give to the nervous person? I've been nervous in every time I've had to do it, but that's part of making a decision. So, you know, if you're going to be confident in your decision, even having difficult conversations, I'm typically having to give a resignation to a CEO. I would say that's pretty nerve wracking or even to a board in addition to that. You have to, that's why I say you should really know why you're moving and you need to, you know, sleep on that. You need to make sure that you understand that. Talk to your, your partner, your family, you know, once you make the decision, part of the professionalism that you have in work in general is to go and communicate that decision. You can't hide from it. It's not going to go away. You have to have those type of conversations to be comfortable having a difficult moment. And so I think too many folks, they may get nervous. They may not feel it's important. It's important at every level. Any level that you're you're doing is going to have an impact on that team. So if you truly care about that team and you want them to be uh, as successful as possible with your transition out, you need to give them time to figure out how to manage your transition out. And so to me, it's a lot about respect and care. That should be way more overwhelming as a feeling over your own personal discomfort of having a 20 minute, an hour difficult conversation with someone. Well said. Anything you would add to that, Kathy or Tammy? I would suggest for that person who's inordinately nervous, maybe it's the first time they've done it, write down what you want to say so that you don't, in your emotion, lose track of your message and do all the things we've already said. Give appropriate notice, express gratitude, talk about you know why this is a good decision, your availability, your commitment to, to finishing well, all those things. I think that helps you if you're a bit nervous in the verbal conversation. I always appreciate, too, a conversation and then the follow-up communication. You don't want to have somebody email you the resignation letter and, you know, text you and say, hey, look at your inbox. That wouldn't be how I'd want to know. Even though that might be less nerve-wracking, it's not really that whole idea of professionalism and leaving well. That's a generational thing. The generations want to just text it. I've decided. (laughs) Here's the text. I I mean, I've sorry, but I've seen too many young people that tell me their breakups happen just via one text message and they don't talk about it at all again, it's over. And I think, wow, so that is not leaving a relationship well. And so the text to the boss is probably also not 
advisable professionally. Maybe it will be as the as the age demographics change, but right now I think that's probably not wise. Well, you'll feel better afterwards too, right? After you have the conversation. So mm-hmm. I think that's good. And yes. I think it's a good chance to practice a difficult conversation. Which is such a great skill. Mm-hmm. Such a great skill. I think it's a skill that we're losing as people have, you know, hidden behind texts and messages. It's not the same. You can't just Snapchat a sign saying, I'm gone. That doesn't really go very well. So a great topic. I think a really important topic in the middle of this great resignation period, in the middle of job changing, in the middle of post-pandemic reassessments, in the middle of all these things going on in the world and the stress that people feel, I think, which is bubbling up in varying ways. And leaving an organization might be the right thing for you to do for a variety of reasons. Think about it from your head, heart, and gut, and think about all of those different factors that go into making that decision. Make that decision with boldness. Make that decision and communicate it well. Leave your peers well. Keep those relationships going months out. Put reminders on your calendar. I'm going to check in with this person. Cultivate your past boss relationships because they will end up being called for references. These are just great tactics great ideas for you to leave an organization well. And that's really the goal here is, of course, it can feel great and cathartic to just say everything that you want. You can watch Jim Carrey and Liar Liar just blurt out whatever he wants to say. That can feel hilarious and funny, but it probably doesn't go as well as it does for him in the movie. So leave an organization well. It will serve you well. It will serve your family well. It will serve your future well. And it is always a way that you can aim higher. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre. Always aim higher. Aim higher.